If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We're here. Suddenly. I'm just waiting for our pictures to come up on the stream page so I can make sure Toffee's in frame. Toffee is definitely in frame. Good. All is well. <laughs> I was, as I was saying to Jack earlier, everyone, Toffee has fallen asleep, and as such, I cannot move. It's lucky I pointed the camera at me already. It would be very awkward if we were looking at an empty couch. But but here you are, and here I am, and here we are together for slightly something else. This week yeah, is yes. all about crafting. I see you're wearing your... Oh, wait, no. Firewatch doesn't have crafting, does it? No crafting in Firewatch. So you're just wearing a, that shirt for no particular reason. Well, it's just, you know, it's a, the shirt that I was wearing today. I, didn't, I, I did not theme properly. Uh, do I have any... Good Do you crafting. have any crafting shirts? Do you just have a shirt made out of bits of wood you found in the forest? <laughs> yes, my my uh, bark armor shirt. It's it's pretty no, it's low a... stats, but easy to craft. I think every like survival craft game does. You can make fiber from leaves yeah. somehow. <laughs> Pick up some leaves, and then you have fiber. A vest. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I have a um, I have an FTL shirt. There's no crafting in that. No. Well, perhaps a lost cause. Mm. Oh, well. But yes, we're talking about crafting. Why is it in-game so much? Why is it continually popular? And how fundamentally is it different from, say, just paying in-game money to buy things from an in-game store? That is the purpose. And before we get in, now that we have teased you with the topic, uh, now would be a great time to remind everyone that your Super Chats and YouTube memberships and Escapist Plus memberships are what keep shows like this running. So I will guilt you with a tiny commercial before we begin the programming, which is brought to you by viewers like you. Good thinking. Get your Super <laughs> Chats in. We will be answering them all towards the end of the podcast. Absolutely. So now, crafting. You know, we uh, this episode was kind of inspired by Subnautica Below Zero. Yes, yes. I've started playing that mm -hmm. on PS5 yesterday, no less. Oh, I am a privileged white man. <laughs> and both a PS5 and a review code for Subnautica Below Zero. Dang you and your PS5 having. And Subnautica is a game I like. Mm. Which prominently features crafting. Yes, no, and it's it's a it's I, I played a little bit over the the week uh, via Game Pass, and it's a, a. How do you find it? It's a it's a lovely game. You know, it's it's underwater. There's creatures. You find stuff. You mush stuff together to make more stuff. You haven't had any like, <laughs> haven't had any of those horror of the sublime moments where you just are taken aback by the vastness of the landscape unfolding before you. 
because that's the big selling point of Subnautica. And maybe maybe I didn't get into it that much, but no, I I I, I kind of got a little lost in the mechanics. In the have you been eaten by a giant fuck off fish that you didn't see coming yet? Oh, I have not. So maybe that's the problem. That that's that's probably one of the defining moments in Subnautica. <laughs> that, oh, a fish the size of a bus. I'm now dead. <laughs> I should watch out for that next time. Yes. Fair. I guess that's more a thing. The more you get into the game, the more you explore, the more you get the, you craft mm -hmm. the resources to be able to explore deeper and further mm -hmm. until you're in these massive undersea caverns full of giant megalodons. Right. And uh, lava covered temples and stuff. Very horror of the sublime stuff. And for me, that's why crafting works in Subnautica, because crafting is an important part of the pace mm -hmm. for that game. Okay. You craft a thing not for some, like, short-term uh, firing of the neurons, firing, firing of the glands of satisfaction, because you got a new thing. Mm -hmm. You craft to be able to explore more, to, like, craft uh, uh, your own little, like, submersible vehicle which will vastly increase your capacity to explore. Yes. The more you craft, the more you can experience the world as it's intended. Sure. So like it's it's like a true survival game where, you know, you craft stuff to get you further, and the further you get, the cooler stuff you get, which means you can craft more stuff, which will get you further. But it does have a clear progression. Yeah. There's a, there's a plot. Uh, oh, maybe I didn't you even just, get to the yes. plot. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a light touch of a plot. Mm. After a while, like if they start pointing you to more like uh, important parts, ah. and gradually things start to develop and come together, and you have to do all this crafting to progress along the plot. Hmm. I do like that. I it Subnautica falls under a specific trope of survival games that I don't like, which is kind of the 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 home base element you know you all you go you go back to your home base for crafting and that makes me feel like any pro progress i'm making is always halted it's always stilted because i always go you go you go into your home and you have to go into your cave you know it means having to physically tie yourself to one location mm. in a game that's about exploring and exploring more widely and finding more resources, the more you ex the, the wider you explore. Yes, yes. Th That's thank the you problem. for That's your the eloquence. Problem. Yes. <laughs> That's the problem a lot of survival crafty games have. They include this base building aspect just because all the other ones do. <laughs> and they want, you know, they want to engender that sort of creative feel that some developers uh, want to bring across. They want to be the next Minecraft. Mm. Want people to build, build a nice little house. Mm-hmm. And I, I think House of Nordica does it right, is that there's a couple of things that you can build as part of your base that, you, that are very, very useful that you can't do, you can't create any other way. Okay. You can build a scanning room that flat out just tells you where all the important things are in the vicinity of that base. And also, Subnautica's on a fixed map with borders. Mm -hmm. It's about, when you make a base there, it's about choosing the like, optimal point to explore out from without and knowing there isn't like limitless exploration in any direction mm -hmm. yes no and i I think like it's like i said overall like the the little i played of subnautica i did have a good time but i could definitely feel 
like the 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 more critical side of my brain hammering on it's like oh it's it's it falls along the similar tropes as other survival games which is fine because it's a survival game so good for it yes uh but Flint to is, oh go ahead sorry, after you. oh i was just gonna say no. to the back to no, the, no 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 after you yes. oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry yes oh, I do no, oh, so, 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 so sorry yes uh, <laughs> I, I was gonna bring us back to the crafting element yes I was too, actually, oh. because that's crafting, to my mind, done right, mm-hmm. because it's an integral part of the progress. Now let's talk about crafting done wrong, <laughs> meaning in every game. <laughs> in every game that comes out now, there's crafting. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of uh, the like AAA, Jiminy Cogthroat style, Assassin's Creed style games, it shows up. Mm-hmm. as part of the pattern that sort of started with Far Cry 3, I want to say. All right. Where that game introduced, like, you know, hunting animals and you craft resources from the animals to craft into upgrades for your character. But as I say, these days, a lot of it just feels like having a store, but with multiple different currencies. Ooh, sure, sure. I'm with you. I'm with you. That was definitely the case in metro exodus where every single object you found could be broken down to metal and not metal (laughs) and everything in the world was made up of those two things oh okay and so everything you wanted you just buy with those two currencies sure it's kind of a shame when metro did it actually because previous metro games had this whole thing where you were in a society that used bullets as currency (laughs) <laughs> that's an interesting that's an interesting trade-off yeah so do we like sacrifice our ability to defend ourselves and like beat the challenges for the sake of uh a perceived like short-term benefit i i like that i i feel like that's the the issue that you have here in most in most craft or most games with crafting is there is there lacks that risk and reward element to crafting Yes, I mean, that Metro Bullet thing is a classic example of risk-reward, mm-hmm. but in Metro Exodus, you need bullets, you just walk around a room mashing the use button as you walk past a shelf <laughs> and find, like, three coat hangers and a bottle of steak sauce. Yeah. And that can be turned into 15 9 millimeter bullets. <laughs> Ooh, saucy Just sort bullets. of scrunch them all up in your hands for a bit, <laughs> and then, bam, mm-hmm. load the magazine. That first of all, that's amazing. If you can actually do that, I would love to see that process work. Uh, I'm running. I'm running into a slightly similar thing. I'm playing a Monster Hunter Rise right now, which is mm. a game that overall I, I am very much enjoying. And if you've played any Monster Hunter game, I assume it's the same. There is a lot of hunting and gathering, and then mushing your items together to upgrade your weapons or upgrade your uh, your outfits. And I find that the finding of materials is the most tedious part because it lacks a challenge, actually. It's just it's just there. It's, you know, like, for, for example, I needed uh, I needed like four mushrooms to make better potions. And so you go you can go to the free roam map, click a mm. couple buttons and the map shows you exactly where every single resource on the map is. So you can just walk there, pick the mushrooms, and leave. Yeah. 
then it just becomes Ubisoft go to icon on map from start to finish. Right. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean anything. And and on the other end of it, I needed a an upgrade for a gun of mine that I was building, and all it told me was a striped hide. What kind of animal gave me a striped hide? In which map could I find that striped hide? I have well, no striped idea. ones, presumably. <laughs> Actually, not. Funny, funnily enough, the all black like pterodactyl birds gave gave me these striped hides, and I yeah. only found that out by going to a Monster Hunter wiki. So wait, on the one hand, you were annoyed that the game told you where to find the resources, mm-hmm. and on the other hand. On a separate occasion, you were annoyed that it didn't tell you where to find the resources. Because both are symptoms of the same problem, which is I didn't, uh, I, I wasn't playing anything. On, on one hand, I had too much information, so I didn't need to do anything besides walk to a spot, which that's not fun. That's not playing a game. And on the other hand, I had too little information, so I needed to go outside of the game. Now, I had already killed a couple of these things, so why wasn't my character knowledgeable about where to find striped hides? Or why couldn't I talk to someone in town to tell me which animal gave me the striped hides? Right. You want the capacity to deduce these things. Ooh, there it is. Well, that's kind of what Subnautica does. It tells you to look for uh, such and such. And um, a lot of them you can just randomly stumble upon, but they're not everywhere. Mm. So if you can find, if you find it while you're out looking for something else, you, like, you find like the glowy things that are found in a cave. Mm. And, and, then to, and then later on you find a like, crafting recipe that calls for them. And you can think, ah, I found these in a cave once. I'm going to go look for caves. Ooh. That's like that, but done well. Uh, okay, if you ask me. <laughs> well, because well, yeah, there's, there is a challenge involved there. You, you have to think about it, right? Well, and and that's fun. Like if if the game gives you little notes, you found this in this location. Maybe find similar locations so you can. If it gives you the right amount of small information, then you can figure the rest out, and that's fun. I think. Mm. I think it's fun. Like uh, exactly. uh, so, as Derecker in the chat says, it's not that you didn't have enough information; you had faulty information when it came to the striped hides because they weren't striped. <laughs> That's yes. right. That's right. And you know, I'm sure somewhere in the litany of menus and information, somewhere, if I would have gone to that specific animal, it would have said that it sometimes drops striped hides, but how would I even have known to look at that one specific animal? Mm. It seems silly, right? Um, whereas something like like Witcher 3, if you find the right book in certain places, if you find the right oil, it will kind of give you the information you need on how to make that oil, when to use it, what creature to use it on. Books mm. unlock information on what oils are deadly against what creatures, and that's fun. That's fun information. So as we say, there is a deductive element that makes it fun. Yes. But then you think about all the games that just throw crafting in just to have it, like the AAA games, like your Ubisoft sandboxes, mm-hmm. and a lot of it just, as you say, they just show you on the map where to find the resource. Yeah. To make a thing, you can say, like, flag this recipe in my objectives, and then it will just walk you through where to go to find all the ingredients. 
So what do we think is the thesis behind that? What are the develop why are the developers making you do that? What what is the thinking? What is the crafting offering there? Is it just that people feel more attached to something if they're given the illusion that they somehow built it with their own two hands <laughs> rather than bought it in a shop, even though it's basically the same thing? Uh, I f- I'm going to say I feel it's twofold. Hear me out here. Uh, okay. One is it fills time because hmm. you need to walk to point A and then walk to point B and then press some buttons to craft. And that adds to game length, which, as we already know, uh, some people equate length with value. The second element of it is a cohesive world element. If if you're in, you know, a, a jungle type space, you can't just go to the corner store and buy all the things you need. And so trying to keep a consistent theme is important. I suppose. It's not very realistic, though. As I say, <laughs> just like cramming it together with your hands. I don't feel like I'm learning any survival skills from this. Oh, God, no. Oh, if I'm in the wilderness, I'll just uh, scrape this purple ore off a cave wall, mm-hmm. tuck it under my ball sack mm-hmm. with some sticks, and then I will have an AK-47. Absolutely. Well, and I think we all know that we can punch trees, and that will give us the, the scrap wood that we need to start fires and build houses and stuff. A lot of people in the chat saying that people value things they put effort into. Mm. That makes me think, you know, that makes me think of uh, when I was playing Marvel's Avengers. Mm. And uh, at one point, uh, I had an inventory full of random pairs of trousers. And uh, I really wasn't engaging with the game at all. Mm. But then I like stumbled upon a chest that had a pair of trousers in it. And the game said, no, you can't have these trousers. You need to clear space in your inventory to get these trousers. Then I found myself going through the inventory looking for my least good pair of trousers that for some reason the game was holding on to, despite them having no use. Uh-huh. And I thought, wait a minute. I suddenly, I want these trousers. Suddenly the game has tricked me into wanting the new trousers by forcing me to, by withholding the trousers and saying, oh, no, 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 these trousers aren't for you. These trousers are only for people who can pack their shopping properly. They they made you play a game. They made you do some mental math and that has its own reward. So it might be that. It's one of the many cunning schemes game developers have to hack our brain these days, <laughs> like gambling mechanics and um, making you come back once a day to get a new reward. Ooh. They don't, they're not particularly rewarding, but it's just the way they present it. It hacks your brain. It's something to do. And I think, I mean, I think a lot of games throw in a crafting element, like I said, just to stretch time just to give players something to do because they probably know that their game has low points. I think when it's done well, it can be incredibly satisfying. When it's done well, being uh, operative there. Because <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think it's true that crafting does work and it works better in some kinds of games than others. Mm-hmm. For example, I think it makes sense from a risk-reward perspective, game design perspective, if you were dealing with a game that has limited resources, yes. like a survival horror. I mean, Resident Evil has done crafting right from the start. You can craft a green herb and a red herb to make super herb. Mm. And the reason why it works in something like Resident Evil 8, relevantly which just came out, 
is that uh, you have to make a choice. You you pick up some chemical fluid and some gunpowder and some other bits and bobs and some rusted metal, and you could make this into uh, a health pack, you could make it into a grenade, or you could make it into more ammo for this gun, this gun, or this gun, but you have to choose, because these are kind of limited. Yes. You have to choose going ahead what you're going to... What, what would be best suited to your play style. So what you're saying here is by giving the player some sort of agency, it makes it more engaging? There you go. What? And that's why this is pointless if we're just talking about bits of wood and plant that respawn infinitely wherever you go on the map. Because mm. then it's just, we'll have, we can have, we have literally infinite of everything. It's just a matter of grinding it. Mm-hmm. But when you like, we've, we've searched every house in the village and we got five bits of rusted metal and three bits of gunpowder and a stick, <laughs> then we have, to, we have to figure out how we're going to like portion these into our different uh, priorities. Absolutely. That's, that's a good use of crafting. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, like there, there's many systems, you know, thinking of Resident Evil, at least, you know, the few Resident Evils I've played are thinking of uh a survival game that i really enjoy the flame in the flood you know mm. something something as simple as how much stuff you can carry you know like the puzzle game in resident evil for where to put all your stuff in your bag the flame in the flood mm. has very limited spaces in the beginning of the game and so then you know one of your early choices is do i get a bigger bag or do i craft more arrows because enemies are coming ooh yes Always the bigger bag. Always the bigger bag. <laughs> always the bigger bag. And if you're if you if you've got RPG elements, always get the ability that increases the amount of XP you get as early in the game as you can. <laughs> That's the two rules. That's just math. That's just math. More XP and the big bag. Always first. <laughs> always, always. But I but I, I love what you're saying here, which is like we're mm. you're you're giving over these choices to the players, and I think like thinking about even think about like monster hunter rise there you get to pick up all sorts of plants and whatnot as you roam around the maps and some plants literally only make one thing like the 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 green herb plants only make potions and there's actually a little button that just auto crafts them for you and at that point what's what's the point of even having a potion well exactly just have was, um, an herb I'm not strangling the dog as late as he's resting his chin on my arm. <laughs> Why does everyone think I'm strangling my dog? Mm-hmm. I love my dog. Yeah, I had the similar problem with No Man's Sky. They might have like patched it since then. Mm-hmm. I patched everything else in. When I was first playing, when it first came out, to develop warp fuel, there was like, you have to find this one thing that gets crafted into one other thing that has no other use, but be crafted into this other thing that has no other use, except that it could be crafted into warp fuel. And there's no point for that. <laughs> right. Except perhaps the thing we were talking about earlier where we just put more steps so if you yeah, it hacks the player's brain and they feel more invested. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like that's a way that's a that's an interesting way that they chose to make to make the resource scarce, right? Because that's the other part mm. of it is like you said you need to make your resources scarce so what if we put a lot of steps to make it did you have to expend energy to do all those steps to make the warp fuel or do you just press a button and press a button and press a button 
I think it was just press a button, press a button, press a button. Oh, okay. That's really stupid then. That's really- yeah. <laughs> no Man's Sky was pretty stupid when it first came out. I don't know if you heard. I, I, I was aware, yes. <laughs> I was intimately aware of how stupid it was, yes. There's another aspect of crafting. Ooh. I think can make crafting work pretty well. Okay. And that's giving the player the chance to experiment. Ooh. Now, Minecraft, of course, is the thing that started all this. Mm-hmm. And there's a very important factor in Minecraft that no other crafting game does, and that's that weird sort of grid-based system for creating items in Minecraft. Okay. Where you basically draw a very simple picture of a pickaxe with bits of rock and stick, and it turns into a pickaxe in a nine by nine grid Ooh, okay i like that and because they have that function it means the player can experiment the player can say oh well they can deduce they can deduce that they can make a more powerful pickaxe if they swap out the stone for metal mm-hmm. or they can deduce that if we made it the shape of a sword we can make it into a sword as well mm-hmm. and far too often with crafting when it's just thrown in as a mechanic there's no room for experimentation at all. It's just get two of this, three of this, and three of this, and that makes, you know, a new saddle for your fucking horse or whatever. <laughs> there's no way to deduce that. You know, there's no way to just, like, pack things together and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, is, which is a, like, a dimension to a game I can appreciate. And I can be with you there. I think there's, a, there's another end of it where, like, I'm thinking about, like, all the cooking you can do in Breath of the Wild. I was thinking of Paper Mario which uh, also had that same aspect where you can experimentally take two food items and smash them together and see if you can make it into a better food item. Mm -hmm. Half the time you just make a big mess. Yeah. But it was fun trying to unlock all the, all the, uh, the recipes because a lot of them would be like logical. Mm -hmm. I combine milk with ice and you get ice cream. Yeah. You could, you could figure that out. You can follow the logical path. But there can be a frustrating element to that, too, where in the real world, you can put four items together that logically would make something. But in the game world, it doesn't work. That that mm-hmm. kind of takes me back to something like Witcher 3 or, or Skyrim, where you can find recipes laying around, which I always I always enjoyed. I like games where you can like find recipes and experiment. Ooh. Dead Rising 2, for example. Oh, OK. Sure, sure. Yeah, because you could try like combining uh, any combination of items to f- and find the special weapons they made, or you could find the blueprint. I think once you found the blueprint, that you could make that, but with an extra like, extra power or an extra ability. Mm-hmm. But you could like just stumble upon it yourself by combining things. And I think that, that one of the problems with Dead Rising Three was that you couldn't do that anymore. You could only craft something once you'd found the blueprint for it. Oh, yeah. And I went and I went back to no experimentation. Just go to icon on map, follow the things. Well, right, because then then you're not letting the player follow the fun, right? Which mm. is like, and and if a player finds experimentation fun, you want to have the tools able to let the player follow that fun, much like Minecraft or or even something as as dumb as like I'm trying to think. Um, oh, I've lost it. Oh, oh, maybe I was going to go back to Breath of the Wild, where you can just, you know, put four apples in a dish and cook that up and see what happens. And and if mm. that's your idea of fun, let the player follow it. Spirit Fair did it as well. 
<laughs> combining <laughs> combining food items. That's a yeah. That's another good example. <laughs> I think sometimes in that game, like um, they give you the end point. They say, "Oh, I could really go for some fried chicken," and then you'd have to like figure out what the two ingredients were based on what the end result would be. Oh, well, obviously you need chicken. Mm-hmm. Do we combine it with egg? Do we combine it with oil? Right. We, yeah, we could we could take some educated guesses there in pursuit of the one food that we wanted. Bread? <laughs> chicken and bread? No, that's a chicken sandwich. But you need the mm. bread to make the crumbs for good fried chicken. Mm. Well, it, I guess you shouldn't go to these games for an in-depth recipe. Well, that's where that's that's where to me stuff like crafting can get frustrating where, you know, sometimes they follow a very uh, strong logic and sometimes they have to follow a video game logic because of the way it works. And so, yeah, that's back to point click adventure game logic. Right. Where this is the answer. You have to combine these two things to make a thing mm-hmm. because I say so. <laughs> Yes, when you think about it, point and click games were the original crafting games. Ooh, combine key with string to make zip line. Make, make key on a bit of string. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Which is necessary somehow. Be- because game, man. Because game. <laughs> right, put it like that. Silent Hill 2 had crafting mechanics as well. Oh, did it? It just had like combined inventory items. Mm. A system. Because it would have been silly, you know, just to walk into a room and find a hook on the end of a bit of string mm-hmm. for no reason. That's fair. That's very fair. Depending on what kind of room you are in, I'm sure. Mm. I mean, it makes sense to find a hook and it makes sense to find a bit of string, but not to find one tied to the other. Mm. Right. And so we're we're letting we're letting the players do the work because it's it's always more fun. It's always more fun when you can at least show the work and get something at the at the end. And sometimes that work is finding all the materials and crafting, finding the right recipe and crafting. Sometimes it is as simple as just earning money and then paying for it in the store, which I believe, you know, that was your kind of early comparison here. Why not just buy it in a store? Well, that's so much of video game design in a lot of like the AAA games just comes down to resource exchange. Mm hmm. You build up experience points by doing the primary loop. You exchange that for whatever, for a, for a new skill. Or alternatively, you build up money doing quests and exchange that for a new skill by paying a trainer. Right. And and a lot of these games, because it looks nice and like Ghost of Tsushima, if you put it, if you put it down to currency, that game had like six different currencies. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't just like crafting ingredients. You also had skill points for this particular kind of skill and skill points for this particular kind of skill. Right. Which- and it's all com- it all comes down to the primary loop in the end. You do things to get more of a resource so you can convert that resource into something that helps the primary loop or progresses you in some way. Yes. And so, like, I guess what, what I was saying there is I, I think both can be valid exchanges for upgrades and you know this is something obviously we've talked about a lot which is you know focusing focusing on on one thing that makes your game really strong and some games like the modern triple a's like to spread that focus as far as they can to make sure as many people are having an adequate amount of fun 
And of course, if you do have like, if you are spread across multiple resources, in some games that adds a sort of tactical element. Ooh. Do we want to take stuff out of this area and put it in another area? Mm-hmm. I was, I, we both. Well, I've been playing Returnal. You've been watching someone else play Returnal because you don't have an hour. You don't have a PS5 because you're a scrub. Very much so. But that game's all about you find these like parasites that improve one thing while reducing another. And it's all about catering to your own play style. Hmm. Like you've got a parasite that increases your protection while reducing your um, physical damage or vice versa hmm. or increases the range at which you collect money that's on the ground sure. while reducing your like the reducing the cooldown time or increasing the cooldown time for one of your weapons it's all about taking something out of one area to put it in another and that's tactics that's all that's what all tactics is when you boil it down resource placement <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know where I'm going with you, this. Well, I'm no, that's just, just a very that's just a very boring way of saying finding the fun. <laughs> okay. like you, you've you've made it you've made it technical yachts. <laughs> Resource you're just allocating fun points to where you want to play the fun. I think I like. I also think there is a there is a monkey brain element to humans that enjoy gathering things i think i agree yes both in the gathering things and the creating thing with your own hands ook ook monkey man provide for monkey tribe (laughs) ook ook monkey man make stone axe somehow make fiber out of leaves and tie bit of stone to twig monkey man is being a good father and role model to monkey children that's that's just such a human thing that it, we we are hunter gatherers by our very core, and so the game just provides us with that. I want to and and I, I I'm sure you have similar things, but in video games, I am a terrible hoarder. In real life, you know, not so much, but in video games, as many things as I am able to physically carry at once. A lot of people are yes. Like I said, it all—it's all brain hacking. Mm. What is video games if not brain hacking? It's creating simulated situations to in- create a sense of catharsis, mm-hmm. without actually having to be in that situation and be in the associated danger. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's—it's it's amazing to me how many people choose to do the mundane within games. Yeah, my wife's one of those. Insists on doing like 100%ing everything. Mm-hmm. Where she was playing like Assassin's Creed Black Flag and she just refused to advance in the story until she'd gotten every side objective and every resource that was available to her at that point in the game. Because that was her fun. Because <laughs> she might miss out. <laughs> she has such fear of missing out. Oh, no, and I'm I'm similar in a lot of games. I will do as many side quests as I can if if I'm enjoying the game. Like Ghost of Tsushima, I did that. All the side I guess quests. Too, I guess I'm used to the reviewing mindset where I just have to plow through to story end in a week. Oh, right, right. So, but you know, if I am playing a game just for fun, I guess I don't I don't feel like internal pressure to hundred percent everything. Oh. But if I'm bored, you know, <laughs> and there's nothing else to do. Well, like I'm, I, but if, when I get, when I get to story end, I usually consider myself done. Sure, 
Sure. No, I'm I'm thinking uh, this will be a, a small uh, Dungeons and Dragons tangent. I swear. Like currently, my players are on a, a very exciting adventure. Uh, you know, they're chasing a great evil, uh, but but have taken several weeks now out of chasing evil to quite literally hunt and gather. Like they just want supplies to make things. I've given them a few items that that need resources. Be prepared, motto <laughs> of the Boy Scouts. But and and you know, like every, every week, like I I give them a big baddie like i give them things to the and and all they want to do they just oh no 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 wait there's some things over there and i can use that to make this like that's that's where their fun has been have you limited their carrying capacity i i'm just about to because we're hitting we're hitting a ridiculous point because <laughs> there's got to be a point where you can't carry any more potions uh you know i so. i was rule of cooling it for quite a long time and yeah now we're hitting a a point where it's like hey let's let's be real about things but but i guess like to me it's just that's the human condition is like we want to do these little nicky nacky things yes we we want to hold we want to provide (laughs) right want to find all the berries gotta find all the berries find all the berries so we can have a decent crumble after we've eaten our mammoth steaks Right. And so that's what these games, that's what these games are providing. And, and of course, in the negative sense, the AAA games are only providing a, a tertiary uh, experience, a, an afterthought of an experience. People want to optimize their ability. People get intimidated by the prospect of an upcoming challenge. So they want to optimize their capacity to meet that challenge. Ooh, Okay. Usually by grinding up and making sure they've got the best resources on hand. Mm-hmm. So you know, in on one sense, it can it's it's sensible to want to be prepared for a challenge. But I've had plenty of games where I've had a lot of fun where it just throws me into a challenge and I have to improvise on the fly. Well, that's actually what I was just going to kind of counter with you. There is is that is that telling of the game design that the players are so worried that they're going to be underpowered, that they do things that are intentionally not as fun just to power themselves up. I guess there are a lot of ways you can sort of hurry them along. Yeah. Give some kind of assurance that um, that they don't actually need to do something. You you need to, uh, like, you probably need to save the players from themselves, right? Yeah. I mean, if, they, if you do something like a Far Cry 5 where you're just randomly walking around and then... Yeah, struck by the hallucination fairy mm-hmm. and transported to hallucination world for a fight. When that happens, there's a sort of tacit assurance that whatever happens, you're going to be prepared for it because mm-hmm. that's just how games are designed. Yeah. So whatever's going to happen to you now, you can meet the challenge. Either you, either we know you've got the resources on you, or there'll be resources lying around the boss fight or whatever we're throwing you into mm-hmm. to get through it. So why worry? So why come on down right well the, and that's that's like where something you can look at something like doom 2016 did such an amazing job of like exploring the level wasn't necessarily a priority you knew that engaging with the enemies is how you got mm. all of the goodies yes it was directly tied yeah kill an enemy and they produce goodies <laughs> that was like a one-to-one relationship and that was that was a beautiful incentive uh to to force the player to engage with the enemy yeah so a lot of games would put a lot of a lot more steps in the way there 
You'd fight enemies and get money stroke experience points, and you'd use the experience points to buy an ability that unlocks the larger bag so you can put more ammo in for the next time you want to fight. No. Kill <laughs> ammo. One-to-one. No middleman. Away you go. But that was Doom 2016, of course. That was part of its whole identity Yes, as a run-and-gun shooter. Yes. No, and I, I understand Didn't make that. a whole lot of sense from a scientific perspective. Right, not this every monster's game can do tits that. turn into bullets when you kill them, but only when you kill them with a chainsaw. It doesn't make a lick of sense, but then this is what we call front loading the gameplay. <laughs> correct, correct. And I guess like that's just that's the lesson here for game designers is incentivize the fun that you want the players to have. Yes, and you know how you do that. You focus on the primary gameplay loop. What? Whatever we're doing has to, at some point, come back to either improving the primary gameplay loop, making it more fun with more weapons and better weapons, or progressing to the next point in the progress path, Ooh. if it is a game with a progress path. Sure. Sure, sure. That's that's the cheat sheet. I mean, we can get into nuance and complications, like, ooh, Minecraft also has a creative element. Some people... M- make up their own objectives because they want to build a cathedral out of wool but you know (laughs) just on just you know as a basic principle it's why i keep saying it in dev diary it is it is why it is the core principle of my dev diary dev philosophy focus on the primary gameplay loop Mm -hmm. right 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 is it super chat time i think it's super i think that's a, a perfect button to put on here uh cra- if if crafting is going to be a part of your game make it about crafting if crafting is not necessary to being a samurai warrior maybe we don't need it yeah like i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna run around gathering flowers just so i can have a pink dress on all right <laughs> goes to tsushima well but i think specifically it's all you know it's optional if you want a pink dress like yeah get some pink flowers it's great <laughs> Okay, get your supers in, because here we go. Super chat time! Wow, we did get a lot of supers on that Balan Wonderworld stream, didn't we? Anyway. (laughs) Did we? David. Yeah, well, I did. Oh, I wasn't there. I'm sorry. (laughs) David Mankoff gives five US dollars to say guilt abated. (laughs) It certainly was, David Mankoff. Thanks for the money. You can rest assured. All the games gives four ninety nine US to say, does Breath of the Wild cooking count as crafting? Yes. I guess we're running into the inherent issue of leaving super chats to the end of the conversation. Right. We talk, we already did already talk about that. It's optional, but it contributes to gameplay in several different ways, like exploring and combat. Well, yes, as we say, the Breath of the Wild cooking brings it back to the primary gameplay loop because you can craft things that improve your health in a pinch or or help you you know climb cold mountains or deal with the the super hot lava levels absolutely yeah increase your combat ability Mm. excuse me you're excused kelly monfort gives five us dollars oh sorry missed one linus bravinius gives 50 kroner from somewhere to say, Adam Savage of Mythbusters argues the creative drive is common to all disciplines, woodworking, music, writing, etc. Is this why crafting is engaging? Ooh. Yeah, whatever. Thanks for the money. <laughs> 
that's why crafting is engaging in real life. I don't think that there's any creative element to or 98% of the time there is no creative element to crafting in video games. Uh, I suppose you could say there's the illusion of a creative element. I, I, Maybe it like it's that brain hacking going straight, bypassing the creativity straight to the part of the brain that gets the achievement from creating things. Possibly. I think the, some of the examples we've mentioned where you get to try out new recipes for crafting, and if you get something, then there's a creative element. I solved the puzzle. I think it's more mathematical, though. I think it's more okay. just I need to find A and B to make Z. That's where I fall on it. Kelly Monfort again. Thanks for the $5. Who says, when a game gets a good crafting loop down, it scratches an itch for those who like to create and have control of their world. Mm, very mm, true. Control. That's another aspect, isn't it? It's, well, yeah. There's a lot of games where you can feel, if you have a sense of control, it can be a comfort, especially in like a survival game. Like, uh, what's that game? Stranded Deep, mm-hmm. where you're stuck on an island. And literally don't know where your next meal is coming from. It's it's nice to regain. A, you start that sort of thing with no sense of control at all. And by, by regaining a sense of control, there's satisfaction there. Sure. Even if it's possibly even if the control that you have over is something as simple as I can mush two things together. Hmm. Mm. All right. Scavenger gives 10 US dollars to say what makes Minecraft successful and say Ark a failure. Minecraft has an editable huge landscape, but Ark had a Subnautica-type limited map. Ark had an underlying story. Minecraft needs a wiki. Hmm. I was thinking about that. The difference between a crafting game with an infinite world and one with an enclosed one. Because, okay. of course, Minecraft is infinite. Yeah. So there's, you know there's absolutely no resource limit there. So Minecraft can focus on creativity. I suppose. It can. But even if we were to judge both purely as survival games, uh, I think the other element that Minecraft has over Ark, if I'm remembering Ark correctly, is the art style. It Minecraft is very striking. And, you know, like it's a very simple art style, but it is unique and very striking. And Ark, if I'm remembering Ark correctly, kind of looks like, you know, generic game. Yeah. Uh, generic craft survival game. You're in the wilderness. And you need to build a house yeah. out of bamboo for some reason. And so that never underestimates something like art style. I know that's uh, a lot of people believe that that's why Fortnite overtook PUBG because Fortnite had a different art style than PUBG as far as uh, uh, distinctive. Yeah. yeah. As far as games like that are concerned. And so like Minecraft's, it's Minecraft. It, it looks like it looked like nothing else at the time. Visual theming is can be very important in helping a game stand out. Absolutely. A lot of not a lot of like any developers don't really put a lot of thought into it. Hmm. That's why I would never use like assets from a store. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't think I could like I could feel like I own something that I just bought from a store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, bu- 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 Dan Lennon gives five dollars to say US dollars to say I want Yahtzee to do a Plinkett style review for Dark Souls One, and no, I'm not joking. Well, that was a quite aggressive way of putting that, Dan Lennon. <laughs> yeah, I thought Plinkett style reviews were just for things that were bad, that with a lot of problems in them. Also, I can't really do the Plinkett voice. It's a difficult voice to do for a long period of time. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think if there has been like a positive one. I don't remember though. I'll be honest with you. I don't remember all of them. Mm. You know, you could do. I, I, that's not necessarily Yahtzee shtick is to do a, a character-based review of something. Well, I could argue zero punctuation is pretty character-based. When I'm doing those, I'm writing in the character of Yahtzee, the reviewer, who's uh, like psychotic sure. and has mur- and murders things. Sure, but uh, you know, I I, th- I think that that is just that's like general stand-up character where it's just a hyper reality of yourself. Whereas Plinkett is a is a character character, it's Ooh, slightly distinct semantics. Yeah. But I'm I guess I hear what you're saying. Okay. Mm. Scavenger again gives five dollars to say so. If the Minecraft experimentation is great, does that make Doodle God the greatest gameplay loop ever? Did you ever play Doodle God? Doodle God. That sounds like something I have played. Let me Google it really quick. It was a mobile game where it was basically just combining things like an in, like an adventure game inventory puzzle and nothing else. Oh, so you'd start maybe yeah, not. you had to like build a whole universe out of like base objects. I don't believe I have ever played it. <laughs> Very interesting though. Very simplistic. There's a there's an alchemy game that's coming out soon that's very that's like that that's just like mixing shit together to get new shit to mix new shit together. Yeah. Yeah. This this is like that literally nothing else but that. Like there's no characters, it's just icons. Yeah. Interesting. Smashing them together. Cheerful hmm. Spider gives five dollars to say happy Tuesday. Sounds like the underlying theme of good crafting is systems that give an expanded gameplay space to explore instead of a checklist. Well, that was one aspect we were talking yeah. about you know, experimentation, mm-hmm. like uh, cooking in games like Spirit Spiritfarer and Paper Mario and Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. We, It's just, it's, it boils down to thought, you know, like put thought into your systems. What does this add? What purpose does this serve? Yeah, because otherwise you're just, it's just multiple currencies shops again. Right. Right. And and I and and it always boils down to some people don't put that much thought into some of their crafting systems, which is why they feel an afterthought and uh, a waste of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh Johan Arcad gives one hundred kroner to say, Hi, big fan of your work. Any news regarding a sequel to Differently Morphous? Currently with the editors, we're gonna schedule a time to record the audiobook version pretty soon. Ooh. In the next couple of weeks, probably. Fun. Because as you know, the audiobook version comes out first because we have a deal with Audible. And then six months down the line, Dark Horse does the print version. That's acceptable. That's that's about it. It's going to be called Existentially Challenged. (laughs) The the new one. Great. David Foster gives five British pounds to say for a future subject, how about how influential were the Half-Life games? You into Half-Life? I I've enjoyed the Half Life games, yes. Well, Half Life was like a pivotal game for me. Mm. Well, it was first. It was the, probably the game that got me into first person shooters back in the nineties. Sure, as a teenager with the family computer, and nothing much to do with it except play magazine demo discs. <laughs> I guess the question would be, the question would be like, how influential is Half Life as compared to Doom? Or Quake. Or Quake. They're all right. yeah, all part of the very influential line lineage of PC first person shooters. Sure. But like, you know, what you know, Half Life when it was first announced was called a Doom clone. Obviously it did something very different, 
but really in a lot of aspects it's very similar and so it's like did it do anything that far beyond doom besides graphically well yes i mean it was the a pioneer for uh, narrative gameplay focus Ooh, okay so there we go but now the, we gotta but yeah, uh, perhaps, perhaps there is a discussion in that now we got some talking points uh, B.S. Marsh gives five US dollars to say, have your player robbed by a horde of leprechauns and have the Royal Guard hunt them down to find out why they've lost the plot. That's oh. not the only thing that's lost the plot, B.S. Marsh. <laughs> I think I think that was in in relation to my characters who um, just want to go pick flowers. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Just just do a complete fuck you. Well, There's, oh, those rascally imps from the Golden Axe bonus level have come in and stolen all your shit. No, I think that's a great idea. I, I'm also like, I'm I'm very much uh, of the mindset of like, if this is what they want to do, I'm just going to try to make that as interesting for them as possible. I don't I don't want to force them to do any, you know, it's their game too. But but I like that idea. Maybe I'll 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 have a a group of a group of goblins come by and. <laughs> Boo Radley 742 gives five US dollars to say thanks for the streams, guys. Keep chasing those algorithms or don't chase them. I don't remember. Here's some money. Yeah, that's the idea, not having to chase the algorithms. Absolutely. So that we don't have to rely on YouTube ad revenue, mm. which is a scam. <gasps> YouTube pocketing all that, keeping the servers going, well, negative money. You know, they, they do give the platform, so they got to take some money. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Josh McKenzie gives five US dollars to say, long-time fan of Yahtzee's work and loving that slightly intro me to Jack. I-M-O-M-C evolving works more than if it had released with everything. Thoughts? My thoughts have gone to a weird place. MC evolving. Okay. I-M-O means in my opinion. I know that much. Yes. MC evolving worked more than if it had released with everything what do you want about josh mckenzie mc is that minecraft oh possibly minecraft evolving worked more than if it had released with everything okay so you're saying that the fact that it adds it added stuff over time added more like crafting recipes and stuff you could do over time it's a risky gamble though i mean no everyone no man's sky came out everyone hated it and now they've like now it's evolved and they put out all the stuff they intended to have in it yeah and people like it more now i think minecraft even with all of its current stuff is still simple enough if you're just playing the survival portion of it to uh, to get an equal amount of enjoyment is i guess i right. would argue it didn't start still requiring something for the intended experience to come across mm, mm-hmm. mm. it it was it was a complete experience put it like that yeah. when it came out it was a complete experience and everything else was just a bonus yeah i'm with you oh blimey we've got a we've got a lot of super chats in while we've been answering the the first ones super we had. Chat. well that, yeah now it's super chat time oh so yeah, yeah get them we'll get them in now because we're we're gonna cut you off in a minute uh, 2C Phoenix gives 499 US dollars to say, I've been heavily addicted to Satisfactory recently, and it feels like the ultimate evolution of the idea of a crafting game. Have you ever played it? I've played that. That's sort of doing its own, the whole like factory building game mm. is its own subgenre now. And that's kind of bringing across its own 
addition to the appeal of crafting, actually building something that has a function. And I'm uh, putting all the pieces in place, sort of like, sort of like coding, Ooh. getting everything in place to like complete a string of objectives and do it by yourself. That that's satisfying in its own way, I'd say. Would that would that be along similar lines as something like a real time strategy game? Where, you know, you're placing elements hoping that they manage themselves and do the overall work. It makes me more think of tower defense. Ooh. Like you put everything in place and then hope it will, like, run itself <laughs> when the monsters come. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I, I think it's like a, it's along the same lines, especially in something I, I have very little. I, like, I've seen Satisfactory. I have not played it. But I think that they they do that thing where... Yes, it's about crafting and it's about building and they have one purpose. They have one singular purpose and they are focused on it, which is what we've been saying is a good thing. So. Yeah, I've played Satisfactory. It's not that there's one purpose. You like sort of have to build a machine with multiple purposes and you have to build conveyor belts that divert into different manufacturing machines to create more advanced crafting materials. Ooh, okay. And at first, it's not very particularly automated. You have to, like, craft stuff yourself. But the idea is to create a system that is automated. Mm. So you don't have to, like, manually craft stuff. Okay, very interesting. It, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. Mm. Uh, Scavenger, again, gives 10 US dollars to say, I've spent time grinding, leveling, and crafting out of fear a challenge would be too much for my simple mind or character to overcome, and my failure would mean I played the game wrong. Ooh. Well, there you go. Although I don't think, you know... It's like saying someone like watched a movie wrong. I think if if someone has the ability to play a game wrong, then probably that's probably more on the designer than the player. But I wonder if that just speaks to like if that speaks to uh, if there's a certain kind of personality of person that does that to make sure that they're never under leveled. <laughs> well, it's true there are bad designers in the world. Mm. We don't know, like maybe designers of this game were bad. Best to be safe. <laughs> right. Hmm. Joe Boone gives 20 US dollars to say, Dev Diary idea, adventure game that is time limited and time is a currency. When time equals zero, game over. Well, you'd probably want that to be a roguelike in some way, because uh, I could see that getting pretty frustrating if you don't know what you're doing. So you'd want a, the opportunity to try it over and over again. Yeah, see, that game exists. Oh. Minute. Oh, yes. Minute, which is a you, lovely mm, game. Yeah, it's a game where like you just have like one minute to act. Yes. I think he's talking about like where time is something you have to physically use, almost like a like a resource management thing. Oh, okay. Where you have you have this much time to use this, this and this, so you like can queue up a bunch of actions. Interesting. And then and then there would be a, a thing you could craft to like add more to the timer. Maybe. Hmm. Well, pretty interpretive, that. Yeah. Aaron Roberts gives $5 to say, How do you feel about Dead Rising 1? I thought the time limit stroke mall setting forced a special kind of resource management I haven't seen in other games. I like Dead Rising games. I like the combination of the uh, being able to mess around in the mall, experimenting with the stuff you find, mm -hmm. and with like progress and boss fights and stuff. And I liked in Dead Rising 2 how I did have that crafting element because, uh, again, you could sort of uh, experiment with it. You could look at the map and say, oh, this shop sells household goods. 
Maybe if I go there, I'll find some big knives. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's fun. It's fun to mess around in those games. Great. Have you played any Dead Rising games? Uh, I've played a little bit of Dead Rising 1. Uh, not necessarily my thing. Fair enough. <laughs> there was a lot of dodgy design Dead Rising 1. Mm-hmm. NPC, like AI, was atrocious in that game. Escorting dudes back to the safe yes. room was a massive pain in the ass. NPC management uh, really turned me off. <laughs> yes. they, that was improved in Dead Rising 2. Oh, okay. I'd recommend checking out Dead Rising 2 if you liked bits of Dead Rising 1 but were turned off by the things that were annoying. Because Dead Rising 2 had a lot of quality of life improvements and maybe you'll, hmm. maybe you'll like it more. I'll add it to the list. All right. Andrew Morin gives 20 US dollars to say, I find that survival games like Subnautica give a great capability of creating your own narrative. It's so nice that you can play how you wish, but you feel immersed, but less voice, voice acting in Below Zero, please. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just tired playing Below Zero, so I'll get back to you on that. But yeah, it's there is like a creativity element in Subnautica, and there is a plot that I can feel like I'm progressing through, but it's kind of a loose one, so you can tackle it at your own pace, mm-hmm. in your own order, and I appreciate that. I can be with you there. All right, then. <laughs> I have Jack, nothing substantial no, thank, to add. <laughs> thank you, Jack. No opinions packet. I, I, you know, it's the, the journey is the story, right? That's, that's all, that's all great emergent gameplay uh, ideas and emergent narrative ideas is going through the process is the story. Uh, as there has really been only one survival game that I have enjoyed, uh, I I can only you know talk about the flame and the flood, uh, which yes has the same things where you know you're building your ship as you go down the river, you stop at these little islands and you start telling your own adventure. Hmm, so that does sound fun. It is it's, it's a beautiful game. I highly recommend it. Dan gives five US dollars to say question for Yati. Which was the first CP video you noticed was getting popular, or the first one that blew up? Mm. Was it the PC Master Race review? Well, ZP kind of blew it right from the start. I mean, that's how I was very quickly able to start doing it for my career. The first uh, viral video of uh, the darkness on the on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I knew that was uh, doing well because I got contacted by the developers of the game. <laughs> like I was just some dude making an idle video while messing about mm-hmm. and living on a friend's couch. So that was a bit intense for someone in that position these days developers email me i'm like put it on the pile you must appease me well there you go just kidding i love developers and i love to hear from them leonard soikaboik soikilo oh god he's donated more than once Gives five euros to say, hey, Yahtzee, I'm currently writing my thesis on British video game industry. I will thank you in the forward because you indirectly helped me. Oh, you're welcome, whatever the hell I did. Thank- I'm glad I could be of service. Yes, British games industry has its own history. Oh. Independent of all that business with the uh, the crash. Oh, really? The crash of Atari. Yeah, the British games industry managed along pretty well because a lot of it was based around home computing, like the Spectrum and the Commodore 64. Oh, you guys didn't get uh, get hip deep into uh, the Atari mess? No, Ataris weren't big. Ataris weren't big. Like, consoles only started getting big after the NES and the Sega Genesis. Interesting. 
that's an inter- that's that's a really interesting parallel is like you know like gaming gener- early gaming generations in different regions i like that idea mm. also like point and click adventure games were always much more popular in europe than elsewhere in the world mm. funny that that is funny demi god dragon s gives 10 canadian dollars to say seven days to die alpha seven ish had a five by five crafting table like minecraft where you could discover recipes was super fun but they changed it to a pre-known build and use method in later alphas Mm. oh that's a shame yeah that's too bad seems i'd I'd have thought five by five was too much i mean uh that's just like too much potential (laughs) three by three you can deduce a lot you can like experiment you can stumble upon things easier. <laughs> sure. But five by five, that's you, that's like exponentially more possibilities. You try stuff out, you know. I that that gives you like the option for like slight curves to stuff, even even like blocky curves. I don't know. So I don't get my pickaxe because I didn't perfectly draw the curve. <laughs> All right, like up here, up here. Yeah, that could be fun. Lord Misfit gives five US dollars to say, what's your thoughts on the Silmaril survival games at Robinson's Requiem and Deus? I never played those. I think I watched a Let's Play of Robinson's Requiem once. That was a very unforgiving survival game mm. where you could have, where you could, where you could get like permanent disfigurements and illnesses. Like you could just, Ew. like an eagle could just fly down and pluck your eye out. And then you'd only have half a screen for the rest of the game. I love that concept. I would hate to have that happen to me, but I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's pretty old now. I think that was an old DOS game. Wow. But quite ahead of its time with crafting in uh, with a lot of crafting and survival. Mm. The Atomic Lemon gives five euros to say, you talked about implementing Dev Diary games in a possible consuming shadow sequel. Is that still on the map somewhere after Starstruck Vagabond? Yeah, I got a bunch of ideas what I'm going to do after Starstruck Vagabond. I, I alternate between them as my moods change. I, most recently, I had an idea for an RPG-style turn-based battling system, but then I stopped playing Persona games, and now my mind's sort of drifting in other directions. <laughs> we imitate. We want to imitate the things we see around us all the time, after all. That's true. But yeah, I will know what I'm going to make after Starstruck Vagabond when Starstruck Vagabond is done. That's the important note. We're trying to avoid being tempted mm. by the siren song of starting a sexy new project. Ooh, I could just write a couple notes, baby. Don't you worry about it. Ooh, just a couple notes. <laughs> Leonard Psychobook Securio gets back in touch to give five to give five euros and say, also my conclusion is that video games are a British invention, a result of the British military industrial complex and World War II. Q God save the Queen. Okay. Maybe I mean there's uh, there's uh, there's a lot of debate over what constitutes a video game and what constituted the first video game. I think Ahoy did a video on this subject mm-hmm. on YouTube. Ahoy, yeah, Ahoy, very sexy voice, British person talks in sentence fragments a lot. Mm. Was did a whole video on what what was the first video game and me being a smart ass said it was tennis for two on the oscilloscope and he was like ah but was it and then it went on (laughs) after that yeah there's a whole there's a whole bunch of things that could claim to be the first video game but that video has the details uh that's a-h-o-y and the title for that specific video is called the first video game that's the very one just putting that out there for anyone listening uh ahoy the first video game 
Andrew Morin gives 10 US dollars to say, I find that the voice acting in Below Zero is idiot-proofing itself, i.e. found the drop pod when you enter the drop pod. <laughs> Subnautica was silent and made you feel like you did it, not told what to do. Mm. And everyone talking about Below Zero all of a sudden, and me still playing it for review. Mm. So, you know, maybe you're right, I'll let you know. Mm. person whose name is a bunch of Japanese characters I don't know how to pronounce gives 10 euros to say do you consider flavour a valid reason for a crafting system? No wanting to evoke a certain feeling a satisfaction from having made your own items rather than found them on the floor well we talked about that but as I said if it doesn't tie back to the primary loop then it's kind of pissing in the wind and and I would consider that a, a an incredibly valid reason to have crafting, but again, make crafting either instant or satisfying to do. Mm. Yes, like some items need to be shoved together, but if it takes a bunch of time to shove them all together and it's not very fun, then don't have it, even if it makes sense within the world. It can be quite easy to make stuff satisfying in video games. It's all about just having a you can do it just with a satisfying noise and satisfying visuals Ooh, yeah yeah like the satisfying crack of a well-timed punch into a person's face <laughs> yes just go like click 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 boof world of warcraft style flash of light you you created splintery wooden dildo Ooh. congratulations D- that would feel like an achievement don't use it on anyone you love yeah, I'm going to say no more Super Chats now after Guy Thomas's one that we just had. No more. Any more Super Chats after that, we're not going to read out. Definitely so, not. fuck you. Because <laughs> <sighs> some of us have got places to be, dogs to walk. <laughs> he's, he's getting frisky. Oh, his eyes are open, so that means it's time for Toffee to go for a walk. Uh, Dan Bowles gives 5GBP to say, do players have apathy towards actively crafting through minigames a la Spiritfarer? Do players just want a currency craft system? Your preference is? Oh, just saying that. It's just nice to have something that's satisfying to use. Yeah. I mean, uh, something like Spiritfarer could become unsatisfying if you had to sit through a whole lengthy animation every time you wanted to do something. Mm. Yeah, I mean, even even in Spirit Fair, I'm trying to remember some like some of the mini games. Um, some of the mini games got a little much, having to do them over and over again. The blacksmithing one is the one I you. usually bring up. Yes, that one was a pain in the ass. Yes, and so I think it's a it's a great idea. Mini games are always fun. Micro games are very fun, but yeah, the the repetition yeah. gets gets old. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't want nothing. You don't want just Put thing on thing, and then those two things disappear, and a new thing appears. Right. That's just boring. <laughs> Might as well just be sorting the sorting icons on your desktop. Mm. Make that the, the mini game. Even just even you know what I do like that. Even just like choosing where you place the item can be can be satisfying sometimes. Like have a little a little corner for healing items, a little corner for these. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, that's why everyone likes that Resident Evil. Uh, attachy case yes. inventory mechanic, isn't it? Oh, I do. I liked that. about it. Mm-hmm. Nice to see that back in RE8, incidentally. Uh, Josh McKenzie gives $5 to say, thanks for figuring out my wreck of a question. Less than three. <laughs> You're welcome, Josh McKenzie. 
Levi Hutchinson gives five dollars to say, "I just finished Jam. It was decent." Are there going to be any more books in that universe? Well, I ain't writing any sequels to it, but all my books are in the same universe, kinda. I think both Differently Morphous and, uh, no, actually, I think just We'll Save the Galaxy for Food references Jam at one point. Oh, no, Differently Morphous does as well. Yes, I like to reference my own shit, so safe bet that it was. There you go. Josh McKenzie gives $5 to say, is there a combo crafting stroke rhythm game? Complete challenges during levels to get materials and craft new notes and power-ups. No, I don't think there is that, because that sounds mental. <laughs> How would that even work? Crafting rhythm game. How would that work? Like, like I don't, I don't know. Like the low notes are gathering and the high notes are crafting. Maybe like green, red, green for a bit of wood and red, yellow, blue for a bit of stone. You could probably and you just put those two together. You could probably do something like, uh, like, uh, like Wind Waker, how you would have different songs that you would learn for different yeah. materials, and so that could be fun. And so, like, instead of creating uh, tiny songs, you could create long songs, and all the note combinations would give you, and then you get to listen to a fun song for what you make. You know, wood, 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 sheep. <laughs> Wood, 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 sheep. Wood, 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 sheep. Masonry, masonry, masonry. Yeah, that can well, be fun. It's, well, it, well, I guess it made us think. <laughs> Thanks for the idea, Josh McKenzie. <laughs> Facebones2391 gives five US dollars to say, second attempt, hope Google didn't take my money. Longtime fan of both of y'all. Any chance you're going to branch out or just expand the SSE podcast? I guess the SSE podcast was sort of branching in of uh, the previous thing. <laughs> we're we're currently working on something uh, yet to be revealed as it uh, still has the potential to fail spectacularly. But uh, yeah, we're working on stuff. Yeah, we're working on other things. Mm-hmm. Phil Audrey gives five British pounds to say, Afternoon chaps, would you wish my daughter Lucy a happy 12th birthday? Happy fucking 12th birthday, Lucy. Why is your dad letting you watch adult podcasts full of swears? Uh, that sounds like a very irresponsible parent. Really? I, I hope you're doing something that you enjoy doing on your 12th birthday and not listening to two old men complain about crafting and video games. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, babies come out of vaginas. Mm. It's even more interesting uh, how they get in there in the first place. Yes. Perhaps your dad will explain it to you if you press him. Mm-hmm. Do they know? I guess I'm I'm in for this for myself. But is twelve old enough to know all about that birds and the bees shit? Uh, a lot of that depends on the parent. Uh, but yeah, yeah, generally that's that's when they start, uh, or like they start a couple of years before that, even in school about like health and human development. Yeah, yeah, I probably pick up a lot from the uh, internet as well these days. Well, depending on the parent again. But you know what I will say is. Uh, as a word of advice to anyone like the early and more like naturally you can bring it up the better because it makes uh, conversations significantly less awkward later on. If you try to hold it until they're the right age, then it gets weird. Just be cool about it. It's a natural thing. Bodies are weird. Everybody's bodies are weird. And finally, Guy Thomas gives 10 British pounds to say, do you think crafting games are generally more popular with people with more time on their hands 
And I wonder if crafting was of more interest to me when I wasn't being able to create in real life. <laughs> mm. You know, some of those games like Ark and uh, those sorts of things occasionally bring to mind the old image of your dad making his papier, papier-mâché train set in the attic. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. possible. Yeah. I've always thought of Minecraft as the model train set of the modern age. That's that's very true. But uh, yeah, if, you, if you're happy with your creation only existing on a hard drive somewhere and could potentially be deleted at any moment. If if that is the medium in which you produce art good for you. But, uh, you know, I, I like that in anything. In Stardew Valley, like sh- people showing off their farms or even in like Animal Crossing, you invite someone over to your island and check out your island. Eh, it's fun. Hmm. It's a fun way to be creative. Hmm. The new... Um... Story of Seasons did that. You could invite people over to come look at your farm. Mm, it's fun. <laughs> if, you're, if you're into that. They'll, they'll probably um, be very tolerant mm. the whole time. Yeah. Nodding and smiling with slightly glazed eyes. Okay. And yes, this is a very interesting yeah. farm you've made. I'm sure you're very proud. Oh, it produces oh, it produces 100,000 imaginary dollars a year. Well, that's fascinating. Oh, do you see my grass over here? I made all sorts of grass over here. When will you let us leave? When may, when may we leave? Oh, it's just, it's just, you have to see this chair I made. It's a really great chair. Only my family are probably wondering where I've where should, I've been oh, these sure, past sure. two weeks. But, but uh, you know, my my islanders, uh, some of them have really weird names. You got to yeah, come what, and check what, them. What 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 do you want from me, Jack? Approval. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that'll about wrap things up. <laughs> Jack just wants approval. What the, there's the note to end. There's the note to take away. There's the note to take away. I'm just I'm just here for validation, everyone. Welcome. Hey Toffee. Hey Toffee. You wanna go for a walk? You wanna go for a walk and get busy? Oh, you know he does. All right. Well, then we're going to cut to credits uh, right before I do another thing that says, hey, all of those uh, super chats that we just read, that helps us keep shows like this alive here at The Escapist. So thank you, uh, everyone, for watching, listening to this, and super chatting away. Uh, you can, yes, I know. Stop bugging me. You, you can do all this. bugging me from... He's not bugging me from the, my opposite side. Okay. Well, then we're going to go to cut to credits. Bye. Follow work. us on Twitter and shit. Follow us on Twitter, remember, and everything. All that thing too. Bye.